Good evening. Glad you're here. Glad you made the effort to be here. First off, let's tell them thanks for hamburgers over there. Everybody had a part in that. Good job in that. Uh, let's start off now with a word of prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for this night. We're thankful for this opportunity. Uh, we're thankful for your goodness shown to us, your grace uh, shown to us. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin uh, that we have in the finished work of our Savior, Jesus we just come, and on a Wednesday night, we uh, praise you, we worship you, we thank you, and we have a mission to exalt you. And I, I pray, Lord, that you're pleased in all of that. We're thankful for the meal, the fellowship that we just had. We're thankful for the time of Bible study that we now enter into. I pray for our kids uh, that will learn your truth, that will have a foundation of truth uh, that's built tonight, that's stacked upon tonight. I pray, uh, Lord, that you're at the center of that. And I pray, Lord, that it stands. I know your word will stand. And I pray as hard days and days of testing in a world that would try to pull them astray, lead them astray, that that foundation, again, would be anchored to your word, the truth. I pray for our youth tonight, the exact same thing in a world that would pull them every direction. I pray that your truth is taught tonight, that it's heard, that it's received, and that the foundation is built upon tonight. We pray for our other classes, the other adult classes, uh, we ask again that you would bless them. I pray for this class, that you would lead us, that you would direct us in the study of your word. And I pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to get started back tonight. Tonight we're in the 41st lesson. Uh, we have gone through a section going over the prophets. Uh, tonight we're going to take a turn and we're going to continue to move uh, and we're going to look at the Psalms. Uh, there's going to be this lesson, really it's kind of an introduction or introductory lesson to the Psalms, and then after that we're going to have five more lessons uh, from the Psalms. Our lesson tonight is entitled, Praise Him, Praise Him, uh, the Hebrew Songbook. Uh, the key verses are Psalm 96, we're going to read that in just a second. Uh, we're going to look at a whole lot of verses tonight, we're going to uh, see some things from the Psalms again in an overview, uh, and, then, and then we're going to focus on the, the 96th Psalm starting off tonight. Uh, the key point of our lesson tonight uh, is that the book of Psalms is surely one of the most underappreciated in all of Scripture. Now listen, we love uh, specific Psalms. We memorize certain Psalms, pieces of certain Psalms. Uh, but I believe as a whole, uh, we underappreciate the value of what we have in the book of Psalms. In it, we're going to see this tonight, God himself shows us how to worship he shows us when to worship, and he shows us who it is that we worship. Now, I believe it's bigger than we understand it. As I've been preparing for a couple of weeks, I believe it's bigger than we understand it, More than, uh, has more value than we give to it. And I'll just tell you, we do well to study it, uh, to think about it, to consider it tonight in our study. The more time we can spend in it, the better. All right, let me start off with Psalm 96. Psalm 96, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. 
Ascribe to the Lord the, the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then let all the trees and the forest will sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So again, one of the songs, one of the examples, that's where we're going to start off tonight. Uh, we'll move through our worksheet now. Starting off with a song on our hearts. Now, this is where we're going to, we're going to start to really think about uh, what we have in the book of Psalms. Singing, now think about this, singing and songs, uh, if we think about them, are really strange things. Uh, think about that. You have a bunch of letters. Uh, God's the inventor of language. You have a bunch of letters. You put them together, and they become words. And then you take these words, and you kind of sing, song them together. You add them to a melody, and you end up with a song. You end up with this process of singing. And so here are a bunch of letters, here's a bunch of words, and we as people end up putting them to a melody and singing those words. Now what's weird about that is the ability that, that those words hold um, for, for us in, in our minds. Now think about that. Songs can remind us of past times. And think about that. Songs can remind us of past times. Songs can remind us of events. May have been a good event, may have been a bad event, but you can hear a song and it kind of transports you back to that time and, and when you heard that song. Uh, not only that, and I think this is even deeper, uh, songs are able to stir our emotions that are associated with those events. And I don't, I don't know really of, of much else that can do that not just as a reminder of those events, but can actually stir or, or bring back to mind uh, the emotions of those events. It's deeply emotional. I watch here on Sundays, and it's, it's pretty interesting to sit and be able to look back, and as we sing uh, different songs, specific songs, uh, you can see someone that, hey, this was the day that their mother passed away, or this was the day that their aunt passed away. Or I remember we went through a hard time or they sang this at somebody's funeral and it's, it's not uncommon to see a song that may be a happy, joyful song and to see people crying or weeping as we sing that song. Their songs are able to bring back the emotion tied to those events. Now think about that. Songs, singing, those, those things are tied to almost everything we do in life. Our mourning... We, we sing funerals, our celebrations, uh, we sing happy birthday, we sing uh, all, all sorts of events, almost everything in between. Now, uh, you can sing in your car, you can sing in your shower, we can sing together. Go to a sporting event, sometimes they'll break out and, and sing a song. When the other team loses, they sing uh, goodbye to the other team. Uh, you can sing, and this is weird, in the quiet solitude of your mind. And so you may not even be making a sound, 
And you could be thinking of a song. You could be running a song in your mind. So there couldn't be a sound. You could be singing by yourself. You could be singing in a group. We could be singing together here in the church. Um, pretty wild thing that, that singing is. Now, here's, here's something big. Out of all of that, there's a reason, I think, and that is because of this. Singing is directly tied to the worship of God. Now, we can pervert that, and we can sing nonsense. We can sing worldly things, but singing itself is, is directly tied to the worship of God. It is an interesting thing that here is God, creator of all things, sustainer of all things, holds all power, and he calls us to sing. Now, that, that must mean he likes singing. He enjoys singing. Uh, and, and so God, the, the God of all things, the creator of all things, he encourages us to sing. He even commands for us to sing. Uh, we sing his praises. We worship in song. Now, uh, think about the, the Bible's examples of singing. In collective worship, when they would go to the temple at different holidays, different feast days, they would sing together. They would assemble and they would sing. In times of hardship, they're being led off to captivity. They would sing. At a death, they would sing. At a time where they were filled with remorse, they would sing. At times of great celebration, they would sing. In the Bible, Isaiah, in the Bible, the book of Revelation. When you get to heaven, guess what they're going to be doing? They're going to be singing around the throne in heaven. Bible records a song of Moses. The Bible records a song that Mary writes. Other songs are recorded as well. So singing is a strange thing. A strange, singing is an emotional thing. Singing is tied to worship. It is something that God evidently enjoys and he commands us to do. Now, the, the truth is, as weird as that is, our heart's worship and our response to God, I want you to start to think about that. Your response to God, our heart's worship, is hard to separate from singing. Now, listen, you can worship doing a lot of things, but it seems like a natural gravitation or a natural flow that if you're worshiping God and you're celebrating God, and you're thinking about the goodness of God, there's something in us that moves to, toward song. Let me read a couple other things. Psalm 146, verses 1 and 2. says this, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is becoming. It is pleasant. Think about that. When you're sad, it's comforting to sing. When you're excited, it, 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 it transfers and, and shares joy to sing. It is a comforting thing. It is a pleasant thing. Let me ask you this, and, and, I, and, and you can answer, and there's really no right answer. I, I would like to say one way more than another, but here's a question to start off. Thinking about songs, 
thinking about words, you can just answer to yourself or you can holler out loud. Do you think songs carry more power than regular spoken words? And I, I really had never thought about that specifically, but I'm a preacher. I like sermons. I, I think, man, when you preach, that's, that's got to be the most powerful thing ever. But here's the question. Do you think songs move us, stir us, remind us, carry more power than spoken words? And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's a right answer. It seems like it leans that way. It seems like it goes that way. Now, there's something powerful about singing. Now, I'm going to try an experiment here, and I don't, I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm, I'm going to say a line of a song, and I want you to say if you know the song. And that's, I was thinking about this. Maybe one of the greatest tools of memory is to sing something. If you, if you sing the books of the Bible, you might remember them. The, you sing the alphabet, you might remember them. All right, I'm, I'm going to read a line of a song, and you tell me what it is. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose. I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake. I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Anybody know what that is? Let me give you another line. Fear not, I am with thee. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. Anybody know what that is? How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. Let's do another one. While I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death, when I rise to worlds unknown and behold thee on thy throne. Anybody know? Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. All right, here's another one. I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Here's the last line. And when before the throne I stand, in him complete. Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. You may know what that is? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. I'm gonna do one more just while we're going. All right, here we go. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Anybody know the next line? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Songs have power. 
they, they stick in our memory, they stick in our heart, uh, they're able to stir emotion. All right, the next line on your worksheet, the Hebrew songbook. All right, let's go to the specifics of our study tonight, the Hebrew songbook. Uh, the Psalms are an assembly of songs. What You want to know what the Psalms are? They're, they're are an assembly of songs from a thousand-year history of Israel, uh, starting with Moses about 1,500 years before Christ, and they extend to about uh, 500 years before Christ uh, when they've come back for exile. So the Psalms, they are a collection of songs that cover about a 1,000-year span over the, the life of the, the nation of Israel. They have many different authors. Um, we're going to talk about that in a second. It's assumed by many, and I believe this, that Ezra was the assembler and the editor of the entire book about 450 years before Christ. So here's the 1,000-year period. These songs, 150 of them come out of that. Ezra, about 50 years later, takes them, he edits them, he assembles them, and the entire book is put together about 450 years before Christ. Before that, they were contained in five different books, five smaller books, five separate books. Uh, sometimes if you, if you have a different translation, it'll say book one or book two or book three. So there are five song books of the Hebrew people. Ezra comes along. He assembles all five of those books together. He edits it, and then we have our book of Psalms from that. All right, the authors. King David writes over half of the Psalms. And so a lot of times you're reading, it'll say a Psalm of David. He writes over half. Asaph wrote 12 of the Psalms. He was a Levite, a tribe from the tribe of Levi. He was a priest, and he was a singer in David's court. So tied to David, close to David, here's this guy who is a singer in David's court. He writes 12 of the Psalms. The sons of Korah, they write 10 of the Psalms. Uh, Moses, all the way back, had a cousin named Korah. Uh, Korah's sons, his immediate sons, could sing, could play instruments. Uh, their descendants could play string instruments, they could sing, and they could write songs. They were musically talented. And so this family ends up writing, the sons of Korah end up writing 10 of our psalms. Now, think about that for a second. Um, isn't it weird today, there are still families that are musically inclined. And some of them, man, they can play by ear. Some of them, it's a natural talent. Uh, I think about Marco, he'd be embarrassed to know I would say this. He can play anything. If you, if you hand him a banjo and give him two weeks, he'll play the banjo. If you give him a horn, he can play the horn. You want to play the piano? And, and I don't know how that, I, don't, I can't do that. Uh, other families, the Flins, think about them. They can play it and it comes natural to them and their kids end up doing it. Their grandkids end up doing it. Well, here's a family, the sons of Korah. They're musically inclined. They write 10 of the Psalms. Solomon wrote two of them. Moses wrote one of them. A man named Heman, H-E-M-A-N. He was another priest. He was another Levite. Um, listen to this. He was the minister of music for David. And so here is David. Here's his court. He actually appoints this guy to be in charge of the music. 
get the instruments together, plan how we're going to do it, lead the music. This guy writes one. Ethan is another guy. He writes one of the Psalms. Um, he was another singer for King David, but he was known for his great wisdom. And so he, he could not only just sing, he also was a wise person. He writes one of the Psalms. 48 other Psalms have unknown authors. And I think it's weird people try to say, I know who wrote that. Looks like David wrote that. 48 of them, we're not sure who writes it. Could have been one of them, could have been somebody else. And so those are the people that write the Psalms. The Hebrew name for the collection of songs is from a word meaning praises. And so uh, the, Hebrew, the Hebrew name of the songbook wasn't psalms, it was a word that means praises. The Greek word, uh, solomoi, is a word that means songs, and it's where we get the title for the book that we carry, songs. It is a book of praises, yes, from Hebrew, it is a book of songs. Now, I want to make sure and make a big deal out of this. It's important, this is kind of weird to think about, to remember the psalms while they are written by human authors, these people, they are still, the songs are still inspired by God and breathed out from God. The Bible says all scripture is God breathed. We count this as our scripture. And so these songs, yes, somebody wrote them down, the sons of Korah. Yes, they wrote that, but they're inspired by God. And so it, it, it is scripture. It comes from God. And so these words, like all scripture, uh, are, are, come from God. They are the words of God. Now, here's why that's a big deal. I want you to think about that. If we today write a song, that's our response to God. So these folks write a song. It was their response to God. But as scripture, it is not just, it's not just um, words offered to God. These are patterns of worship given to us from God. Now, that to me, that's kind of mind-boggling. It's our worship offered to God. It's also given to us from God, and so these are patterns of worship from God. Now, we're going we're gonna to see a little bit in the next five weeks. We'll talk about it here in a minute. These people are sing, singing praises to God. That's what they're doing. They are worshiping God. That's what they're doing. Now, I want you to think about the situations. Lose a child, here's a song. Suffer death, here's a song. Mess up and get into sin, here's a song. Have a great celebration, here's a song. Have a feast where everybody's worshiping, have a song. Carried into captivity, have a song. And, and so we see here that these are actually patterns of how you worship. How do you worship when everything's going wrong? How do you worship when it's not what you wanted? How do you worship when everything's going right? How do you worship when it's you out in the field? How do you worship when it's you in a congregation? These are actually 150 patterns on how to worship. In all these situations, here we get examples of how to worship. I think that's a pretty awesome thing. All right, the type of Psalms. The Psalms... Or when you read them, you're like, well, that doesn't sound like that one. Or some of them sound exactly like something else. Uh, the Psalms are varied in style and purpose. Um, they're different. Some of them are close to the same. Some of them are far from it. The Psalms 
tell history. And so when you're reading the Psalms, they're telling you this matches what was going on. And so when this is going on in the life of David, this is the song that he sang. And so the Psalms recount history. They also offer worship. And so you're going to see great things about God. They also outline God's wisdom. And so when you read the Psalms, they also are teaching us. They also are instructing us. And so all of these things, here they are. They explain God. They talk about people. They reveal sin. They teach us. All these different psalms, types of psalms, folks started to say, well, we need to classify them. How are we going to break down the psalms? Well, here's what I found. There are five classes of psalms, except for some folks say there's six, except for some folks say there's eight, except for some other folks say there's 12. So there's a whole lot of folks that say, these are the types of psalms and these are the classifications. I went with the five just because we need to get out of here on time. So for our purpose tonight, there are five types of songs. Five types of psalms. All right, let's look at them. The first type of psalm, the first type of song in this songbook are hymns are hymns. A whole bunch of them fall under the heading of hymns. These were used, just like we would talk about our hymns, they were used mostly in collective worship. They were used as part of their worship. Um, some of them, hymns of ascent, they would sing on the way to worship. And so, hey, we're traveling up to Jerusalem, we're singing on the way. Um, all of them were sung once they gathered for worship. So they could be sung anytime. They could be sung on the way to worship, but these hymns were meant to be sung, gathered collectively as God's people. All right, those hymns, they include songs of praise. Um, some of them tell of the attributes of God. And some, of, some of them are telling things that have, God has done. Some of them are saying, this is who God is, and they're telling us the attributes of God. They would remind people of reasons to praise God. Think about that for a second. Sometimes don't we need reminders of why we would praise God? And man, you've had a cruddy week, and maybe it's been a terrible day, and maybe you can't quit thinking about the bad things or the heavy things or the stressful things. And maybe you ought to come and we ought to sing and it ought to remind you of reasons to praise God. Great is his faithfulness. You know, you go down the list. Jesus paid it all. He has. And so there's times we need to be reminded of the reasons we would praise God. That's what they did. Um, now listen to this. Hymns not only set the tone for worship. I think sometimes we go, well, these are going to set the tone for worship. They are worship. And so when we come together on Sunday morning, hey, this isn't how we're going to set the tone of our worship. The singing, it is an act of worship. I'm going to read, I'm going to read one here. All right, Psalm 150. They've gathered up. They're all together. Here's what they say. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Now, these are the words. I wonder what the music sounded like. It's probably nothing like we can imagine. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him for his excellent greatness. 
Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. A reminder of how to worship, why to worship as the people have assembled. All right, think about that for a second. Can you imagine the temple? And here come all these people. Say it's the Passover. And here they come, and they come from long distances, and they come from short distances, and they they come and they assemble, and they start to pour into the temple, and you've got the courtyard of the Gentiles, and it fills up, and you've got the courtyard of the women, and it fills up, and you have the courtyard of the men, and it fills up, and all these folks are there, and then they start to sing. Maybe they sing that. Can you imagine that? How loud that was, how awesome that was, how exciting that was. Their kids are there, the old folks are there, they remember this, and here they go and they start singing. I, I, I go through that and I couldn't help but think about today. Today it ought to be the same. It ought to be the same. Singing, it's not a piece of our service order, it's an act of worship. And I, I was thinking this afternoon, I guess we ought to have a pep rally before we have the singing, or maybe we ought, to, we ought to pray and read a bunch of verses to get us ready for the singing, but singing is not leading to the worship, singing is worship. And, and so here we show up, and we ought to be thinking about, my God's never left me, my God's never forsaken me, my God in the person of Christ has saved me, I have the forgiveness of my sin, I have a future in Jesus Christ, Jesus is coming again. When we think about those things, we ought to show up and we ought to just blow out singing. We ought to sing and it ought to be our worship and he ought to be pleased and it ought to be kind of nutty how crazy we sing. That's what I think. I, I, I don't know, I, don't, I haven't ever done it, but in, in all these years, sometimes I like to take a picture of what it looks like on Sunday morning. And, and man, Doug's up here and he's about to blow out a kidney. He's excited. But then somebody may be dumped over and somebody's foul, and somebody's writing a grocery list, and, and then somebody's smiling, and somebody's singing, and, 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 I, and I sit there and go, if we actually came and said, it's not a performance, it's not about who's around us, it's not about who's listening, but this is our worship, how would we sing? One of my great joys of what I get to do is I sit on the front row and so nobody can hear me. And so I sing like a nut, and I can't sing, and I don't care. And I, I sing, and I'm scared sometimes I'm going to mess up the real singers. But, but you know what? That's what comes out of us. <laughs> I agree. I think this, and I don't, I don't, it's, it's weird when you say it. I've been there, and I've watched how it progresses. But I want to tell you this. Here's what I believe, and if this upsets you, then, then we'll just have to figure it out. I believe you can tell people's hearts by how they sing. And you know what? When I quit caring, when, I, when my God's grace was greater than all of my sin, I don't care whether you like how I sing or not. I want to sing. And I think you can tell people's hearts by how they sing. And, and you know what? If we're worried about what people think or not being dignified or, you know what, getting carried away or I'm not a good singer, I don't think we understand how great our God is. I always go back when I was about a 7th or 8th grader. The goofiest thing ever 
was the youth choir at church. And I thought, that's the goofiest thing ever. Those are some, I have no time for that. But my parents said, we, we went to church Sunday school, then we went to church for church, and then we came back for, for youth choir at four, and we had training union at five, and we had church after that. And they said, you got to go to youth choir. My brother's four years older, and they take us to the youth choir, and we talked it over, and here's what we said. They can make us go, but they can't make us sing. And so for four and a half years, here's our youth choir. They're all singing, and there's these two guys like this. And my parents would say, why don't y'all sing? And we'd say, well, we went to choir, and we would go. And we did that for four and a half years. And it became a contest. Sometimes you might like the song and you want to sing, but you can't because they can make us come and they can't make us sing. And I, I don't know how that still carries on today. You know what? We ought to be goofy. You know what? We ought to not care what people think. You know what? It's, it's an act of worship. We ought to sing. I can't imagine what happens when they get to the temple and they blow out in song. The first type of psalm was a hymn for corporate singing is an act of worship. The next type of song is a lament. Laments were songs that voiced cries to God. They could have been individual. They could have been corporate for the whole nation. They called for God to act or to help or to save. They lamented or, or, or just complained about the terrible position that the singer was found in, either due to their own sin Think about Psalm 51. My sin is ever before me is what David says. Or because of somebody else. It could be somebody else that's got you messed up. And so it's, it's, it's complaining over your situation. It's, it's lamenting over the shape you're in, whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault. It's asking for God to help, to act, to save. Now think about that. God puts that in there. Sometimes we go, well, just suck it up. Well, just don't talk about that. God actually says, this is how you worship. Don't go somewhere else and complain. Don't go to the coffee shop and complain. God, you're going to have to save us. God, you're going to have to work. God, I don't understand how I got here. God, I wish I'd never done those things. God, I wish they'd never done those things. And they actually sang their laments, their complaints to God. That's a pretty awesome thing. The example is Psalm 38, Psalm 39. All right, I'm going to talk about this. There's one classification of lament psalms that include imprecatory psalms. That's the big word they give it, imprecatory psalms. These are psalms that cry out for God to act in judgment upon God's people's enemies. And so we have a song and we're complaining. We have a song, we're voicing our complaint to God. In these imprecatory psalms, they're actually saying, take out my enemy. How long are you going to wait before you take out my enemy? My enemies have caused me great harm. Remove my enemy. And some of them are harsh, and some of them are violent. I believe, I can't remember, I believe it's Psalm 37. At the end it says, basically, kill all my enemies and even their kids. And you read that and go, ooh. I don't, we'll read the first six verses, but we're not going to get to the bottom of that psalm. And so people go, what can we do about that? That's, that's not God. That seems to be harsh. That doesn't show mercy or grace. 
at certain times, and I believe Martin Luther did this at one point, they thought, well, the best thing to do is just take those psalms out to keep people thinking poorly of God. And so these seem too harsh, and we don't understand them, and they're saying kill their horses even, so let's take those out, and maybe we'll forget about these psalms. Well, here's the thing. They are real. They are cries for God to uphold justice, justice for the nation, justice against people that have railed against God. They are calls for God to defend his own name, yet they do not change the plan and the purpose of God, which means this. Just because I came up here and say, judge that sin, Lord, judge that sin, Lord, judge that sin, Lord, doesn't mean he's not gracious and kind and, and forgiving to sinners. It is real. And, and you know what? It's an act of worship to say, God, here are my complaints, and you know where I'm taking them? To you. It, it's an act of worship. Examples, it's Psalm 35, Psalm 69, Psalm 109, Psalm 137. All right, another type of song, of psalm, is a psalm of thanksgiving. Now, I, I like these, and they may to me be one of the most important. These were psalms that reminded the people to be thankful. Sometimes we have to be reminded to be thankful. And I, we are selfish, we are self-centered, and we're quick to forget, which I don't know, have you ever prayed for something, and maybe it was serious, and you needed something, and God answered your prayer, and 20 months later, you don't even remember it. Uh, maybe two weeks later, you don't even remember it. You've moved on. He answered your prayer. It's not a problem anymore. Sometimes we have to be reminded, hey, we ought to be thankful. And so these are reminders to be thankful. But more than that, they're also reminders of what to be thankful for. There are things that we ought to be thankful for. And so sometimes... I, all I've got is trouble and I've got crazy stuff ahead and this is that and, and whatever. And, and someone needs to say, hey, here's what you ought to be thankful for. Um, could be for specific acts. Could be for the attributes of God. Psalm 111, listen to this. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. So I'm going to give thanks, but where? When everybody's gathered, where everybody can hear it. I'm going to give thanks. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praises endures forever. Hey, be thankful for what God's done. He's established them as a nation. That's what it says. 
Be thankful for who he is. He's just. He's righteous. It's a reminder to be thankful, and it's a reminder of what to be thankful for. Psalm 30, Psalm 34, that was Psalm 111. I want to try that. I'm just going to try it out. I practiced this afternoon, and I thought it would be interesting to try that out. I want you to think for a second. Two great things that have happened to you in the last two months. Two great things. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, I thought about that this afternoon. I'll, I'll start off, and I, I, I can go more, but I'll just start with two. But I, I want you to be able to say two things, two great things that you saw this month. Let me tell you two great things, and, and they came from different places. The, the first thing is this. I saw God's graciousness to my family, the preciousness of my family, and the preciousness of the time that I have with my family. And I started thinking about Sarah, and, and she's at school living in Dallas, and I started thinking about Kel, and all of a sudden he's a dadgum junior, and he's, he's too cool for us anymore. And then here's Will, and he's an eighth grader. But I started thinking about how fast time goes and, and, and how time moves on, and I started thinking, you know what, God has blessed me with this family, and God has blessed me with time. And that is a tremendous thing. That's the first thing I'll tell you. The second one is this, the timing of God's word. And I don't know why I have trouble remembering this. Uh, I've been preaching now, I think, coming up on 17 years. And you know what? It's God's word, not mine. And it's God's timing, not mine. This last sermon series uh, that we're working on, we're working our way through right now. When I start writing that out and, I, and, and we're praying and we're thinking and we're, we're putting it together um, I think, man, this is going to cause a lot of trouble. And man, some of these are not going to be popular. And we've got to, this weekend we've got racism. The next weekend we've got homosexuality. The next week we've got gender stuff. But you know what? God's word is truth. And in God's truth there's peace. Now, what does it mean to be saved? All these, all these different issues. And then as I've gone through it, did you know every single week was perfect? Uh, and it was perfect in timing. And I, one week I had three funerals. And we talk about uh, what happens when a person dies. That's the, that's the sermon. Did you know that was planned six or seven weeks before the week of the three funerals? And I, as we were walking out, somebody else suffered a loss and somebody else suffered a loss. Uh, the week on, on, on uh, is my baby in heaven? And over the course of that week, I hear from somebody else who had lost a child and somebody else who lost a child and somebody else. And I think, you know what? I didn't know all that. God's timing was perfect. And so I'll tell you, Two things, great, just this month. The preciousness I see again of my family and how God's blessed me there and the perfectness of his timing in his word. Not everybody has to answer, but you know what? If you have two things that you saw this month that were awesome, it says praise him, remember his works in the congregation. So just holler them out. Your daughter, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Great, great grandbaby that's absolutely perfect. Praise the Lord. And your health. That's right. Anybody else? 
Devotional book, I'm going to say it out loud so they can pick it up on the camera. Devotional book, time of devotion, you, lots of time matches perfectly to the need of the day. Sometimes you won't even know what the day is going to hold. Perfect. God's timing is message. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Son got married December 30th. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit working. One more. Like Ferris Bueller. Anybody else? Now we're stuck. Something great in the last two months. Had foot surgery and, and it's been awesome. You retained Sunday. No pain, better than you expected. And, and first time in a long time that it's been that good. 20 years. Praise the Lord. All right, Psalms of Thanksgiving. That's a third type of psalm. All right, here's a question. And I want you just to think about it. Do you think you can worship and not be thankful? And I thought about that. I don't think you can. Can you worship God and not be thankful for who he is, for what he's done, for what we have in him? I don't think you can. The next question, do you think thankfulness motivates you to worship? And for sure it does. And so you know what? Sometimes when you go, I don't feel like being here. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like whatever. I don't feel like reading my Bible today. I don't feel like doing the devotional today. If we start to go, this is what God has done and this is who God is, Thankfulness motivates our worship. All right, the next type of psalm, the next type of song, a royal psalm. A royal psalm. Uh, they were sung to honor the king. They were proud of their king. Uh, some prayers were seeking the king's protection. Some were seeking the king's guidance, that he would have wisdom. And uh, some were seeking that God would bless their king. All of them were pointed to the king as the chosen anointed leader of God's people. And so this is our leader. This is who is setting our course. And so it's celebrated that they had a leader. Royal Psalms were also prophetic in nature as they pointed to the true king, God's Messiah. And so when they're reading a psalm and it's talking about uh, praise for the king or lead the king or bless the king or bless us through the king, uh, all of those have an undercurrent that are pointing to the one true king, uh, Jesus himself. All right, the next one, the fifth type of psalm, wisdom psalms, wisdom psalms. Uh, wisdom psalms were written and sung to celebrate God's word. Now, that's kind of a weird thing, to celebrate God's word, to point to his perfect wisdom and to remind people to seek that wisdom. All right, so here's some songs. They're going to celebrate the word of God. They're going to celebrate God's perfect wisdom, and they're going to serve as they're being sung to remind people, go to his wisdom, go to his word, seek out his wisdom. One of my favorites, and I read it on Sunday night, one of my favorites, Psalm 1. Listen to this. I, I, I said this Sunday night, but I wrote this in the side of my Bible. This is what God says. This is what God says. How blessed is the man. How do you want to be blessed? Well, here's what the Bible says. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Guess what? The wicked are not so, but they are like shaft which the wind drives away. They have no anchor. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. These songs reminded them God's word is true. God is infinite in wisdom. Go to his word. Embrace his word. Walk in his word. The, the greatest advice I would give any person, and I think about what have I learned, what have I seen, uh, what has stuck, the greatest advice I give any person is this, go to the word of God. Not a preacher, not a church, not a denomination. Uh, when, when Sarah left home, I gave her a Bible, and I said, you know what? There's gonna be a day when you won't find me, and if, if you need something, I'll be there, but there'll be a day when I won't be there. I'll be, I'll be gone, may have passed away, and here's what you do. You go to the word of God. You go to the word of God. How do I act in a marriage? Go to the word of God. How do I handle my finances? Go to the word of God. What, what do I need in a church? Go to the word of God. These psalms were reminders of that. Go to the word of God. God is perfect in wisdom. They celebrate God's words. All right, last section, God's purpose in the psalms. Again, we saw this. The psalms are like all other scripture. They are the words of God. Now, they are different because they're not just our words spoken to him, which they are. They're also his patterns given to us. Uh, if we truly desire to worship God in a way that pleases him, these songs serve as our example. Now, two weeks ago when I started looking at that, I thought, you know what, I need to read the Psalms more. I need to spend more time in the Psalms. If I actually want to worship him in good times and bad times and hard times and times when I've blown it and fallen into sin, in times when I'm celebrating a resurrected Savior, these are the patterns. And so we need to spend more time in the Psalms. All right, a couple of things to think about. We're, we're about done. What are things about worship that you see or you remember as you think about the Psalms? That's a question. Um, I think we see this. It's focused on God. Our help is in God. Our strength is in God. Our wisdom is in God. It's, it, if we're going to worship, we're not going to say, thank you for the economy. We're not going to say, thank you for the government that's running us right now. It's going to be God-focused. How much of a part does singing play in our worship? Uh, I think it's inseparable, and I think it is the movement of our heart that we would break into songs. What are some things that would add to our worship uh, as we are singing? And I, I think, well, this is what we ought to, we ought to start incorporating more. First thing is we ought to prepare um, to worship. And I don't know if you can get people to, as you're driving here, to say, you know what, for an hour and a half, I'm not worried about that. And I'll, I'll worry about that later, but I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm thankful and start to list the things we're thankful for. Maybe time in Scripture the night before. Maybe time in Scripture as you get here. Maybe time in Scripture before we start singing. Prayer. Prayer the night before. God help me. Get me ready to worship. The morning of, as we gather, God help us. And then I think, I was saying we need a, a, pre, a pep rally before we start singing. 
You know what? We probably won't give a pep rally before we start singing, but you ought to give one to yourself. I'm here to worship. And, and, and here I go. I, I was saying uh, Sunday, sometimes I tell you all too much, but, but Sunday I think, man, I'm tired. Man, this sermon's already going to bust 40-something minutes. Man, I don't know about this. And I, and I come, and I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But, man, I'm tired. Man, I don't know about this. And that's honesty. And, that, and, I, and I, you know what? It's, God's called me to do it. I'm going to do it. But I came, and I came, and I sat down right here, and they, they read a set of verses about who God is and what he's created. I don't know if you remember that Sunday morning. And I was sitting over there, and I'm thinking, I've been doing this 17 years. I'm way too heavy. I'm 51 years old. I'm tired. I've done all this stuff. And I have all these reasons why I'm just going to try to get through it. But then they started going through these verses of who God is and what he's done. And it's like somebody started hitting switches. And by the time we got done with that, I, I was thinking, there's not enough ropes to tie me up to keep me from preaching this message. And the hardest thing is going to be staying in orbit while I preach it because I want to tell you God's word is true and our Savior is awesome, and, and that's how it ought to be. Maybe we ought to have personal pep rallies. I can't wait to go worship. I can't wait to go worship. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in our midst. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to lead some word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Green Father, we come, and I pray that we've learned something tonight. I pray that we take something away from here tonight. I pray that we've grown tonight. I'm thankful for in the midst of your word, there is a book of songs. And I pray, Lord, that we would read them and that we would think about them and that, that we would worship through them. And then I pray that that would lead us to remember who you are, to remember what you've done and remember our blessings. Uh, and in the hard and the good and the bad, that we'd be people filled with worship and that you would be pleased in that. Lord, I pray that we show up this Sunday. I pray as we gather that we, we come and it's hard to contain our worship. Lord, you are worthy. Uh, you are faithful. You are trustworthy. And so we praise you and we thank you. Again, we pray for our kids and our youth, the other folks that are studying tonight as well. We praise you for that. We trust them to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Glad you were here tonight.